Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, season three, episode five. You know, Zach, there's an old saying around that, uh, you know, when someone shows you who they are, you believe them. And I think it's time for us as uh, Nebraska fans to start believing Scott Frost of who he showed us he is. And who he is, he's a coach with a 12 and 21 record here at Nebraska. And uh, that's who we should uh, believe him to be. But, uh, you know, before we get into all this, uh, this game at Illinois, this debacle that happened on Saturday. Uh, just, you know, what's, what's happening, man. Yeah. I mean, it's been kind of a rough stretch. Uh, you know, obviously the, the loss on Saturday definitely hurt more than, you know, a lot of us even thought possible. I think a lot of us felt pretty confident going into that game and, you know, here we are. zero and one, but, right. um, well, obviously we're going to, you know, that's what this podcast is about. We're going to talk about that, but, not only that, you know, I, I got hit with a little karma and I came out kind of blasting you, Taylor, uh, about the Yankees. And now suddenly they're on a four-game losing streaches, stretch as well. So Ever since you mentioned um, it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you get a little too overconfident and right. then, then, then it kind of hits or kicks back on you. And, and then speaking of that, you know, I, I started uh, my, my college football gambling 1-0 um, I did take the unders of the uh, UCLA Hawaii game on Saturday, so that was a nice little like breath of fresh air after the uh, the horrible experience we all had to uh, take in with right. the Huskers. But yep. then I put the overs on over fifty two and here in this UAB Jacksonville yeah, State uh, game and yeah, a little Wednesday uh, night action. Wednesday night action, you know, it's it's the the first real full weekend of college football, so why right. not? And here we sit zero zero uh, almost halfway through the second quarter, so. You know, we're, we're, we're taking it on the chin here, but uh, it's not how you get hit. It's how you uh, get hit, fall down, and get back up. Right, how you respond. So Saturday, it would, uh, you know, it was the same old song and dance for me, you know, just kind of get up, get excited about the day, uh, watch game day, get out and do a little yard work before the game comes on, and, you know, have a couple people over and uh, turn on the game. And, uh, unfortunately, it was the uh, – same, same movie is uh, to quote Scott Frost there that uh, we've unfortunately seen for the last last four years under his tenure. Um, Zach, what uh, what about Saturday shocked you the most about what happened out there? Um, I, I just think it was just you know the same stuff we've seen over the you know the last three years under uh, under Frost. I mean things like costly turnovers, mistakes, right? I it just didn't seem to be any sort of sense of urgency. You know, I don't know how many times we've seen that first drive of the game where they come out with a lot of fire and they just look like just, you know, it looks, they look superior to the defense. Correct. That first drive, they go right down the field. You think about that first game against Ohio state last year, right down the field on them. No problem. Um, so it just didn't seem like that was there this time. Um, again, we come out and look flat in the third quarter, just no, no excitement, no energy out, out of halftime. Again, no uh, offensive identity. Correct. And, you know, one of the things that's really that I was thinking about this that really sticks out is we just don't have a dude. No, no, we do not. We don't have a guy that's just going to just going to kind of realize the situation, realize that we're we're down. We need we need somebody to step up, put the team on his back and go go out there and do it. I mean, the first guy that came to mind, probably the most recent was was Amir Abdullah. You know, you think about that McNeese State game. He was not about to be on this football team and lose to McNeese State. And you saw that on that last run. I mean, Randy Gregory and Amir Abdullah, Rex Burkhead against Miami, same thing. Even Taylor Martinez occasionally would put the team on his back and win us games. Be a game breaker. we, We don't have that on our team, and we haven't for some time. And that's the most glaring thing that I kind of came to realization yeah, I guess, you know, what shocked me the most would it would be, I guess, for some reason, you know, I bought into the uh, Adrian Martinez hype uh, year four. Like uh, we've discussed on this podcast for four, three years and for the four weeks leading up to this, I was like, you know, he looks slimmed up. You know, I'm, I'm buying what this guy's selling this year. You know, I've always been an Adrian guy and I was buying, buying into it. You know, year four, he's going to get it right. You know, it's all or nothing this year. 
And unfortunately, I, I don't know, this, it was even worse than, than I anticipated. It was even worse than where he left off at. And where he left off at was a four turnover game at Rutgers. Granted, we ended up winning that game, but that was in spite of uh, his four turnovers and just, just kind of really alarming about his play. And, uh, you know, uh, last episode we talked about season, bold season predictions and, uh, I predicted Cam Jurgens would be uh, an All-American and be, uh, you know, heading to the NFL as a, you know, uh, top three round draft pick. And Same movie. Fucking lo and behold, lo and behold, uh, still can't snap the ball. It's a trilogy it's just, now. It's a trilogy. Man, it's just it's it's just crazy that uh, Nebraska seems to be able to put the same product on the field season after season after season and just – it's, it's the same team we saw against Colorado. Colorado, when Colorado was here. Colorado is Scott Frost's first game at Nebraska, and this is the same team that we saw. And they make the same mistakes, the same penalties, the same special teams. I mean, it's 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 alarming. And I think, you know, just it, it's to the point where after we lost Saturday, I wasn't, I wasn't even mad. It was just like I was mad at myself more than anything for buying into these guys and thinking that something was going to change when the – the characters in the movie were all the same, you know, same director, same uh, lead lead actor. And, um, you know, we got exactly what we've been getting for four years. And um, I don't know, there's, you know, there's a million different reasons why, why this is happening here at Nebraska. You know, there's, you know, there's finger pointing, there's this, that, and, you know, the third about everybody's got their own reason why this is happening. But, um, you know, one of the main things I keep hearing is the pressure from the fans and the media on this program and these players that uh, just becomes too much. And it's too overwhelming for, for the players and the coaches. And it just kind of makes them play tight and, you know, makes them to make mistakes at the most uh, inopportune times. Uh, How do you feel about the pressure, the media and the fan base puts on this team? This pressure isn't anything new. I mean, this has always been around. The only difference is they feel more pressure now because we're losing. I mean, it's plain and simple. I mean, If we were winning, there's a different kind of pressure. It's it's excitement. It's confidence. Right. But it couldn't be further from that right now. I mean, the pressure is because they are afraid to do worse than they've already been doing. And 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 that's that's not a good spot to be in. And that's where they're at, because, you know, we, we can't seem to get in our winning ways. And it's. You know, I feel like they they probably think the walls are closing in on them, which right after know, one game, not, not for the kids, so or for the the young men, because I'm going to speak on that later. But, <laughs> um, but for for Frost, I mean, mainly Frost, because I don't, I think he's the root of the issue, and he's got this coaching Correct. staff around him that just has Bunch to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, well, I mean, they have to follow in his footsteps. I mean, you ha- kind of have to go where your boss goes as an employer or as an employee. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it just I, I don't know. Did this did this outcome change your like season trajectory of this team or season projections? I mean, this is obviously one that uh, before the season kicked off that uh, obviously we put a lot of emphasis on it and said this is the one we have to have to. I think we both came out at a seven and five record. Have have you readjusted that? Has this changed your your for, this forecast for the season? I mean, it has. Yeah. I mean, nope. absolutely. Anybody that says differently would be lying. Right. Because, it, yeah, I mean, it's just we expected to come out and win this game. We didn't know if it was going to be by a little or a lot. But I think everyone thought that we were going to win this game. Correct. And we we talked about how it needed to look. And not only did we lose, but it looked bad. And yeah. So, I, yeah. And I, you know what? I think that is the main issue. I, it's not it's not just the loss. Because if we would have lost in, you know, a 35-32 game and, you know, Illinois just happened to be better than we thought, but, you know, our team played well and, you, you know, suffered a little loss. It was it was how the game looked. The offense just absolutely looked horrendous. I mean, they had, what, zero points at the end of the first quarter, nine points at halftime, and finished with 22 points. You know, when Scott Frost was hired here, Scott Frost was, you know, the offensive guru, the guy that came under, you know, came from Chip Kelly, then went to UCF, and his last year – there, uh, you know, at UCF where they won that fucking fake national title that he's still claiming, you know, UCF was the number one scoring team in the country, averaging 46 points a game. And since Scott Frost has got here, here's the breakdown of the season so far. Uh, season one, averaged 20, 28.6 points per game, 54th nationally. Season two, 
uh, 28 points per game, 64th nationally. Last season, 23.1 points per game, 101 nationally. You know what I'm starting to think, though? And now we came out and put up 22. So where did this offensive guru come from? I mean, McKenzie Milton. McKenzie Milton. He's that much better than Adrian Martinez? Yes. McKenzie Milton was lightning in a bottle under a, a smaller microscope than Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, well, we're gonna we're gonna see Mackenzie Milton here on. Uh, He's what, not Sunday? the same Mackenzie Milton. We all know that, but yeah. I mean, that guy was awesome, and that's who he he. Frost, it's it's now it's looking to me like Frost rode his coattail to this job and right. to a quote unquote national championship. Because, yeah, and I mean, that guy was elite. Yeah, he rode that. You know, people bring up the you know the year before he got, they got there they were 0 and 12 and he took them to a 13 and 0 record but people people always tend to forget the year before they went 0 and 12 they went 12 and 1 and yes. went to the won the Fiesta Bowl with Blake Bortles as a quarterback they went 12 and 1 so it wasn't just like this was some dog shit program that hadn't been anything they just went 12 and 1 won the Fiesta Bowl and had the number one number two pick in the draft uh, in Blake Bortles so it wasn't like this program was you know the shelves were you know completely empty he came in with somebody else's players and he caught his first season he went six and seven so that's a losing season and then he caught lightning in a bottle in season two won a bunch of close games against memphis and um a couple of the other teams uh cincinnati and caught lightning in a bottle and went mm-hmm. 13 and 0 um, absolutely but, you know and you know he managed to ride that into uh what a five million dollar a year job and you know what's he gonna walk away with 50 million dollars made here you know it's just because I'll just tell you right now, he's not making it out of this season. All right, this is this is Scott Frost's last season here at the University of Nebraska. So, so yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because obviously, you know, I think I, I'll speak for both of us. We've been listening to any and every uh, Husker sports outlet this right. this week, early this week anyway. And um, one person said the only way – um, maybe not the only person, but the only way uh, he keeps his job is if somehow he can get this to seven and five. No or, way, fucking hell. No or way, six in hell. and six. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I, and I'm not saying he can. I'm just saying, like, if he did get us to a bowl game, maybe. Right. Maybe. Yeah, but it's that's. It's, I mean, that's as far as it goes, though. There's no guarantee anymore. Oh no, 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 no! Absolutely not. I mean, we predict seven and five with uh, that was uh, barring us uh, not looking like how we did against Illinois. So that was yeah, one of the right. winnable games. Yeah. So it's um, you know, it's you know, people talk about the media, the national media's. I mean, Scott Frost is trending on Twitter for what three days in a row, just everybody kicking him wise down. And you know what? He absolutely deserves it. Absolutely deserves it. He'd spend. Just basically, he's basically a snake oil salesman. This guy told sold us a bill of goods, and it's not not what what it is. He's not living up to what he promised us. And every week, you know, he gets in front of that goddamn podium, and just you expect, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe this has finally you know humbled him up, gave him some humility, and never, never he gets in front of the the microphone and just you know as coy as ever. Just like I don't know, it to me, his body language is telling me that he's ready to go. He's ready to take that money and get the fuck out of town. Um, it just, it stinks to high hell. And people will talk about the media pressure here. The media pressure is only, <clears throat> here's my issue with the me- the local media here. The local media, there's, I don't know, 80,000 of them, it seems like. But a lot of what they do is, uh, you know, they write and tweet and stories in the paper and the magazine and the blog and this, that, and the third, the podcast about Scott Frost. But, you know, when it comes to nut time, when it comes to press conference time, they all just, you know, sit there and ask him the softball questions. Hey, Scott, what happened out there? Um, well, they came out in a, an even front. And we were expecting an odd front because, you know, that's what they did in their spring game. And it wasn't nobody, – nobody followed up with, you make $5 million fucking dollars a year and you couldn't figure that out. That's, that's what we pay you for? That's what we pay you for? You're making $5 million a year. And because they had an extra down lineman, you had to scrap half of your playbook. Does that make sense? Is that what an offensive genius does, Scott? Can you please elaborate on that? Elaborate on that a little bit farther. But no, they just took it. They're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they they switched up their defense." And it's like, "Wait a second, you your only scouting was their spring game because we all know how important the spring game is. Everybody just lays out all their cards for the spring game. So, just well, not to me- not to mention their D coordinator came from Missouri last year, so you couldn't right. just watch Missouri tape last year. 
Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even reference that. Like, no, no, he didn't. It's like he referenced watching their fucking spring game. Like, come on, man. Like, you think they're just you, out there showing their looks out there? Yeah. What'd you show at the spring game, Scott? Right. <laughs> you showed a national championship team because you weren't playing against anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Not non tackling. Yeah. That's what you showed. Yeah. That's what you showed. So good thing you hit all that. And, you know, and the depth, hit the depth chart, you know, no, for no one could, you know, these. These advantages that he thinks he has, these are no fucking advantages, man. You're 12 and 21. You have no advantage over any team we play, including Fordham this weekend. You've got no no advantage over any coach, especially in the Big Ten. They are all licking their chops waiting to coach against you because they know once you get off your your 10-play script to start the game, that your in-game adjustments, you're the worst in the business. You're not bad. You're the worst in the business at in-game adjustments, okay? So – Every other team in the Big Ten is just like, oh, yeah, you know, what do you, what do you say when he came in? Well, you know, I hope the Big Ten has to adjust to us. And you know what? They absolutely adjusted to us. They adjusted us to their fucking homecoming game. I have, some, joke. I have something funny to read to you. I bought the uh, Hale Varsity uh, uh, magazine, and in the Fordham breakdown of their team, it says, there's a ton of film on Fordham from last season, but Nebraska's defense should have a clear idea of how it needs to prepare. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, kind of one of the other things I wanted to touch on was that uh, the 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 players the, the players in the game. Um, you know, obviously we, we talked about who who was going to be running back one was the whole thing everybody wanted to know. And there was, you know, initially we thought it was Gabe Irvin, and then the last two weeks all of a sudden it's like Savion Morrison. You know, it's kind of put you know taking the job by the horns. And guess what happened? Savian Morrison didn't see the fucking field on Saturday. Gabe Irvin started the started the game. You know, had some some woes. He's a true freshman, so you know had had one nice run down there at the goal line. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure if his offensive line's blocking. But the run game never got off the ground. So Gabe Irvin came in, and then Step came in. Looked all right. I liked the way I thought out of the three running backs that played. I thought he looked the best. And then you know fourth quarter when it's time to uh, you know try to scratch and claw to get back in the game. It's Oh hey, let's uh, let's put in the guy that hasn't played yet today. Let's switch out the running back for uh, Ramirez Johnson, who we've heard exactly zero sentences about this uh, this preseason. So, w- what do you make of the running back situation, the rotation at the uh, to me? Back? It, to me, it felt like we were ro- rotating running backs like by the quarter, and it, we seemed like a, a third grade YMCA football team. Like correct, uh, one guy was in one quarter. And then we moved o- over. We so Gabe Irvin was pretty much primarily in the first quarter. Right. Then we then we went to um, uh, Step, who was uh, severely underthrown by Martinez on a wheel route yep. that could have been could a have touchdown. Been yep. um, so that could have boosted maybe his playing time for potentially the third quarter. Uh, we didn't really see any production out of the running backs in the third quarter or for the game, uh, for that uh, two, matter. Two carries in the, in the third quarter. So and then two, uh, two running back carries. And then Ramir Johnson in the fourth quarter. And it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. And I stay I stand by what I said preseason. We don't have any running backs. But not to mention, we, we had in our running back room 19 carries for 54 yards. Right. I mean, that's absolutely pathetic. And, and the, not to mention, the coaches preseason said – we got a guy. We're going to go with one guy. We want him to have 20, 20 touches per game. <laughs> and they didn't have 20 touches as a unit, not a, and let alone even 60 yards as a unit. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what they tell us every every uh, offseason. You know, we want we want to get one guy in there. We want to have a workhorse back there. And then every year, it's the same old shit. Oh, nope, subbing him out. You know, you never get let a guy work up a good lather. You know, you never let a running back get into a good flow before you take him out and sub him out for whatever reason. Um, just, I don't know. And then, you know, let's talk about the receivers. Um, you know, this is Scott Frost. You know, once again, he said this is his uh, best team, the most talented team he's had. You know, and the wide receivers, this is the deepest they've ever been. Well, a total of four wide receivers had targets on on Saturday. And the person that we thought that's going to be a starter, uh, Xavier Betts, who we all know is ultra talented, all know is ultra talented. We've, we've seen him play last year. He got exactly zero snaps. We saw Brody Belt in the game. We saw Wyatt Lever uh, through a large part of the game and uh, no Xavier Betts. And then after the game, you know, Frost is, you know, well, consistency has got to matter. 
it, I mean, hello, pot, meat, kettle. Consistency's got to matter out of the fucking most inconsistent fucking coach there is outside of being consistently outcoached. That's the only thing Scott Frost and this staff is consistent about is being outcoached. So, I mean, how do you how do you not get Xavier Betts in the game and get him some touches? We all know it, he's at minimum a, an athletic freak. Um, and we all saw what he could do last year. So it's not just like, oh, well, we've seen his highlight tape and he did this in high school. No, we saw him against Big Ten competition last year. So what, explain this wide receiver situation to me. I mean, I know his whole mantra of no block, no rock. I mean, it's just, it's just you know, the, the thing about that, the whole no block, no rock thing, it's kind of like, well, you know, oh, they've got to be consistent. And it's, no, put the guy out there that can, you know, be a game breaker. So – the no block, no no rock doesn't really apply if we only get three three yards per carry because <laughs> the receivers don't technically have to block at that point. Right. But I don't understand the receivers. Like we we have these 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 studs. We get them in here. Half of them leave before they even play a game for us. Which I think they're seeing the writing on the wall. And now I well yeah we're starting you're to fucking walk-ons. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I've been talking about this Wyatt Lever guy for two years now, and the guy is still playing significant downs. Right. And and he, I think he ran out there the second third play of the game. Yeah. And we don't see Elante Brown. We don't. I mean, uh, Omar Manning, the guy that everyone's building up as the next Heisman Trophy winner for Nebraska, didn't didn't see us uh, a series until the third one. Right. And I mean we. And uh, I, I made a comment about Brody Belt, and I was just kidding, actually. But the guy actually played four, four, four downs, and I four plays, yeah, I, at, I, in crunch time. And crunch he time. is a converted running back to receiver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, he wasn't even a good running back, and he's correct. playing a receiver now. So Brody so, Belt's come into camp and outperformed Xavier Betts. Apparently, the, yeah, you know, the and, five foot seven converted running back has came in and apparently outperformed Xavier Betts at wide receiver. And I know we're trying to do it on the offensive side and we're trying to do this, this, uh, this no huddle stuff, but we, we line up to the line up to the ball. We act like we're going to snap the ball. Then we turn to the sideline. Like you're telling me we can't just go and huddle and then have Xavier Betts in instead of Wyatt Lever and tell him what to do on that play. I mean, let's, let's, let's patch up the wounds for now. Let the guy go out there and make some plays. Let him get comfortable. Then we can go back to what you want to do, Frost. I know it's I know it's your way or the highway, but for shit's right. sake, man, we got to start winning some games, dude. And I will say though, Oliver Martin is kind of a bright spot. He, Mark can play. I, it's a guy with the name Oliver Martin. I usually wouldn't be able to get behind, but right. he had a great game. And I will say, Samari Torre, when we did go to him, was also a bright spot. It did take like two days for Martinez to advertise. Yeah, for Martinez's first pass to him on the sideline took two days to get there. Yep. But uh, that guy was like all over the field, and he's very versatile. I think we can use him in a lot of ways. So I think those two guys are right. a bright spot. Omar Manning is still just so overhyped to me, though. See, I think obviously he's definitely overhyped, but I think he's definitely a he's better than Brody Bell. Okay. Uh, Correct. I think he's still yes. a legitimate uh, rotation player, halfway starter, whatever. Um, you know, we're not even talking about our biggest wide receiving threat, our tight end Austin Allen, which I have contended for since last season that if this guy played at uh, USC or Oklahoma or one of these pass happy offenses, or you don't, you don't even have to be pass happy, just a fucking offense that can you know throw the ball, um, Austin Allen would be a first round pick. He's a six foot nine athletic big man with hands and good feet. I mean, and he didn't even get a catch until the, till the second half, till the third quarter. Eight, no, I mean, like what, fourth quarter, like eight minutes and, left in the game. Yeah. And at one point, Adrian, you know, decided to, he overthrew a six foot nine tight end. How do you overthrow a six foot nine guy that played, that played basketball that can jump? I mean, it's just, it just, Adrian looked as bad as I've ever seen him play. He looked as bad as I've ever seen him play. He was shaky in the pocket. Who was the quarterback in the NFL? I think it was uh, uh, Sam Darnold that was like, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Well, that's what it God. looked like out there for uh, Adrian uh, because he never, never sat back. His feet, his footwork is just absolutely horrendous. I mean, he was looking to scramble, was his first thing he's looking to get out of the pocket. And he's scared to throw from the pocket. He's seeing people, even when and and not to mention the offense line also played like dog shit. Um, but even when they gave him a clean pocket and a clean snap, he still went and delivered the ball. He was still looking to escape and make 
uh, make a move on his feet. And we said going in this game, you know, let's lean on these running backs that we feel like we have, whether they're proven or not, we feel like we have a stable of, um, you know, five, six guys that, uh, that can play. Um, and, you know, let's not lean on Adrian Martinez. Once again, who's the leading rusher? Adrian Martinez. I mean, I think the 75-yard uh, no, run. 17 help. carries. 17 carries. More than the whole running back room. 19. So, running back room had 19. Okay. So he had 17. Close, so, so, yeah. So he, he's still leading rusher on carries. Clearly the 75-yard run helped, um, but he just – Did he really have 17 yard or seventeen carries? Yeah, absolutely. And Yeah, so – Seemed like we weren't trying to go to that right away, though. No, no, we weren't. I think we gave up on the running game super early. Grant, I don't think we ever knew what like, we were going to do, though. The running game looked like absolute dog shit. Yes. So don't don't get me wrong, but <laughs> you have to keep you have to you have to keep running the ball no matter what. You know whether it looks terrible or not because the run's going to open up a pass. And then you know, like we said earlier, you know you got to let a running back get lathered up. You can't just oh hey Gabe Irvin here's four carries. Oh you only got you know three yards of carry. So let's try somebody else. Oh step you know uh, you know you look good had a nice little wheel route out of the backfield there a couple nice carries. Oh, oh no crunch time now. Let's try let's try another guy. It's just these coaches, I mean, you know, it's – as I said, I feel like this is Scott Frost last season. I think this game sealed it. Um, I'd like to see – someone's got to be held accountable Well, at this point. going back to your point, though, too, it's like – it's not like we didn't have enough offensive possessions in the first half. I right. will say they kept – they kind of did their their keep away in the in the second half. They had that oh, long, yeah. long drive to start the second half. But first half – we had plenty of opportunities, and yeah, the defense we, we just, good. We be and well, I think we're going to get to this soon, but we we didn't have a plan, and if oh. we did, half of it was taken out. Right. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous that we looked so completely slow and kind of lost on our first uh, on on our script, as opposed right. to any other game or year that uh, Frost has been here, because that's been the one high point of him being here. As we always look really crisp, we look really sharp on that first fifteen play drive, Correct. and we usually take it down and at least score some points. And that, you know, I mean, that was not the case this this week. No, it was a mess from the beginning. And imagine this is the like you said, this is game one. So you've had months to prepare, and this is this is the game plan and the gameplay that you came out with. It's disgusting. So uh, it's just back to the, you know. You know, Frost let go, and you know he gives the 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 media all the quotes they need. I mean, just it's like Scott, take some of that five million dollars and go hire a goddamn PR guy because it's a fucking nightmare, man. Go hire a PR guy. You know, take let the Trev do it for you. Take what a good talker he is. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that guy's done some TV. Yes, <laughs> um, you know, take that money and go get you a PR guy, or you know, take take the Biden approach and just read off the fucking teleprompter because. You make a goddamn complete fool out of yourself every single time you step in front of a mic. You step up there, cocky as ever, and say say some stupid ass shit of like, "Oh, we had to we had to guess what was going on," or we had to uh, you know we had to scrap half the playbook because uh, they had an extra down lineman and they were playing out of the wide nine. So you know, me in my fourth year here with my four year starting quarterback, you know, we weren't able to adjust. So it's just you know, and then you know he let go of that uh, you know he's still calling plays. And it just so so just to regroup of you know our coaches that we have here, we have a quarterback coach that has the it's the worst position group. Um, and your star quarterback, they people keep asking, can he get back to his freshman year form? Can you can you imagine that? Fucking no. Yeah, hey, hey, fourth year starting person, could you play like how you did when you were eighteen and not twenty two? Could you do that? That because that's because that would be great. So your quarterback has regressed. You have the. The shelves are empty behind him as far as I'm concerned. I'm not into the Logan Smothers. Um, I don't think he's the answer. And, you know, Harburg, I think he's got a good arm and was a little quicker than I thought, but he's no – you can't go from playing at Kearney Catholic to playing in the Big Ten in fucking 12 months, okay? So, Correct. Yep. And so, can't do it. So the quarterback room is an absolute mess. So we've got Verduska over there that we all know that Frost works with the, uh, the quarterbacks. So you have then a, a offensive coordinator who – you know, came from Oregon and Washington where he had to uh, quit football to, uh, you know, take some time off because it was becoming too much. So he decided that it was, you know, 
after that, it was all right to just, hey, how about come to Nebraska? You know, the pressure's pretty low there. You know, of course, once again, one of Scott Frost's buddies, a guy that he's coached with before. And then this guy's been, you know, was talked about pretty highly come the first two years, uh, Greg Austin. Greg Austin got a uh, job title promotion, you know, uh, in addition to the offensive line coach, he got the run game coordinator. Uh, well, hello. The run game fucking sucks, man. So, and the offensive line's terrible. Your third year starting center still can't paging, snap the fucking paging ball. Paging Greg Austin. So, Matt, I mean, just imagine, you know, you you got a raise and have done worse. I mean, it's just, I don't understand how these contracts work and why they work. I mean, you remember Frost got a an extension, you know, after being a complete bum the first year, two years, got an extension. And so, it just, it's one of these coaches has to go, in season, in season, somebody has to be held accountable. I mean, if you just see everybody, clearly no improvement. Clearly, these coaches aren't doing their job. And I've said it for the three years we've been doing this goddamn podcast. Everybody on this coaching staff, this is the best job they've ever had. You cannot have that. You yep. cannot have it when every person in the building, this is the best job they've ever had. And you can see it. You hear all you hear all the off field shit. Everybody act, out down there acting a goddamn fool. So this is their best job they ever had. So it's that's a recipe for disaster. And guess what? It's a disaster. Yes. So I mean, where else you want to go? How about uh, how about Connor, uh, Connor Culp, our All Big Ten returning kicker? Didn't miss a single extra point last year um, and hit a couple field goals. I don't believe he he even attempted one over fifty yards. One first team All Big Ten. So you know what? We figured one part of the special teams out. We got our all Big Ten kicker returning. How'd that go, Zach? It didn't go well. He missed two. Missed two extra points, and yeah, the uh, and I I'm eating crow because I did pick him as a all Big Ten player for this year too. So right. I mean, again. and the bookies the bookies are after him. You know, fucking up that over under that fifty two and a half. You know, it's oh like, he lost Portnoy forty grand on that second extra point. Yeah, you start to you start to think you got you know what what's going on here you know you got a little little skin in the game what's going on you know the over under side it's, like, it's like the replacements kicker <laughs> so smoking cigarettes out on the field honestly I mean just okay so obviously the uh, field goal or extra points were horrendous kickoffs they went into the end zone weren't pretty weren't great they, you know it was a it was an odd. Wind or not, that's fine. He didn't, he didn't take a he didn't take a, a run up. He took a one step kick, but he booted it through the end zone for the most part. So you know who else did? UAB's kicker on the opening kickoff of the game tonight. Yeah, you know who UAB's else did? UAB's kicker can do it. And you know who did. else did? Lincoln Southeast's kicker. Uh, I went to the high school game last Friday, Southeast versus Omaha North, and their kicker right now number three. I guarantee you start for start for Nebraska right now. He punted it and kicked it. Kicked. No, he'd catch so, the curse. So which brings me to. The punter, um, we, we you know this offseason obviously special teams needed to be addressed, and so we brought in fifty eight kickers. You know, one of these guys has got to be worth a shit. So you know, he's starting off by having basically you know trying to attempt two pooch punts. You know, where you're not trying to just kick the motherfucker as hard as you can because I believe he was punting from about the fifty, somewhere around midfield. So you're just trying to maybe pin him inside the twenty and not boot it through the end zone. Well, he did you one better. Uh, he didn't even kick it to the twenty. Kicked it to the 25 and the 27-yard line. So he had a net 13-yard punt, and I believe the other one was about 17 yards. So once again, Scott Frost, he's got all these offensive uh, coaches that clearly do fucking nothing, but you know we, we refuse to hire a special teams coach. So again, and back to your point. We have Frost, who is taking ownership of the offense and, and stuff like that. We got Lubick, who's mm-hmm. doing God knows God what. Knows what. And then we have Verduzco. Don't you yeah. think um, cigars. one of the low heaters on the sideline, you know, what, don't you think one of the two ladder could go and we could get somebody who could actually kick the ball and not having to pick up an Australian kicker who right. punts, uh, who doesn't even know the sport of football. <laughs> he probably thinks he did a good job. Like, see that shit. Remember, like, remember Jesse yeah. Cush and, and those, those punters who would, would, Alex Henry, I mean, right. the guy was brought in as a kicker, and he was the best punter we've ever had. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's like, Scott, why do you refuse to hire a fucking off or a special teams coach? Like, and then, obviously, that was the whole 
cool thing about the cheating allegations was that the special teams analysts who you're only allowed to have 10 coaches and then you hire a bunch of analysts that aren't actually allowed to be on the field coaches. And he was, he was on the field coaching because, you know, of course he was because we don't have a fucking special teams coach. So the special teams analyst had to come on the field coach and whatever. And then, you know, when our special teams a disaster, we had to fire him and then, you know, and then he's going to, he's going to pop off. Yeah, and then of course you know he's going to drop a dime on us. So I he mean, went. Scott, and... dude, you can't do that. Like <laughs> Scott, Scott apparently just thinks he's fucking invisible. Like he can just you know go around town, do whatever the hell he wants, and you know no one notices him. You know he's just the most recognizable guy in the state, and just you know he can just go around and act like a jackass. And uh, I mean, as you, you talk know, it out, it just sounds worse and worse. Yeah, it's just. I mean, how do you? How do you? How do you have the worst special teams in the country year in and year out and you refuse, refuse to hire a special teams coach? I mean, it is one third of the game. And how many, just if we had decent special teams, how many game, how many more games do we win in the four years Scott Frost has been here? We've won 12. I'd say we'd have won at least 16 games by now. 16? Oh, okay. Oh, you're giving us special teams were. I was going to say four to five. Yeah. So yeah, an extra four to five games. Yep. An extra four to five games we would have won in the past four plus years if we would had just an average special teams play. But nope, Frost. You know he's the smartest guy around as always. Smartest guy he knows. So you know he's (sighs) okay. Enough. Enough with the coaching staff. (laughs) Let's. They they suck, guys. Okay. If you haven't got my gist, they suck. Frost doesn't know what he's doing, and Frost is out of here. It's just, can we not pay the $20 million? Okay, I'm letting my feelings know about it. The guy's a bum, and I want him out of here, and he will be out of here. Mark my words. So moving on to the field on the pl- the, the play on play the field. The field. Yep. So it's one thing when, well, unfortunately, I have to go back to special teams. So we have, they punt to us first, and, uh, you know, they pin us deep, pin us at the one-yard line. And so that was um, Oliver Martin. He let it go over his head, as he should. Heels on the 10. It's the first thing you learn when you start football. You punt returning. Okay, put your heels on the 10-yard line. If it goes over your head, let it go. He did that. So the next time, well, let's try Cam Taylor Britt back there. Our star, our, which we all agree, our best player, our, our <coughs> excuse me, our captain. And he proceeds to uh, make one of the most bonehead plays I've seen. <laughs> I've seen from us, and that is saying something. When I say it's the most one of the most bonehead plays I've seen from us, it clearly is. He filled it at the one yard line, slips and falls in the end zone. And gr- granted, he was already down, but you know, was trying to scramble after like alive. And then he's getting tackled. And I'm not sure what uh, level of football you learned this at, where it you know it's a good thing, but decided to take the ball and throw it up over his behind his head and. <laughs> Like I said, I, I'm not sure at what point in football you would think that that's, that's you know, at no point ever. At no point ever is it a good idea to take the football and throw it over your head. <clears throat> ever. Ever. Not not at any level. Not any game situation. Not ever a good idea to take the football and throw it over your head forward. Okay? First of all, it's illegal. <laughs> Let's just start with that. First of all, it's illegal. But so it's not just that Nebraska's out here. The coaches clearly don't know how to coach, don't know how to make adjustments, won't hire a special teams guy. It's our best players are the ones out here, you know, making it worse. You know, he gave up two points there. Adrian fumbles right before half to give up seven points. So your two captains give the other team nine points. We lost by eight. So, I mean, you know, obviously I'd like to pin, you know, I think the coaching staff ain't shit, but hey, our two best players and two captains, Gave the other team nine points. So, Zach, what, what's your what, what's your thought on the whole special teams or the punt returning situation that play with Cam? <clears throat> There's a lot of layers that you just put on there, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, do my best to address each one of them. But first off and foremost, I think Cam Taylor Britt. It, it really comes down. First off, okay. For, first layer before we get to that one is I don't know why we're switching up punt returners. By punt, either you have a punt returner or you don't. Like there, it, it wasn't a situational punt either. I mean, they were at the same point on the field, and the the ball was going to land at the same point in the field. So I'm not sure why you put Oliver Martin out there the first time, and then you put Cam Taylor Britt on the second time. Don't know. That's one. 
Second one, Cam Taylor Britt, obviously a guy who's competitive. He wants this team to do well this year. Trying to make a play. He's trying to make a play. But that's not the situation to do it. The, the situation to do that type of play where you catch it where you did and, and try, try to do what you're going to do is a desperation play. That wasn't it. We were in the first quarter. First quarter. It was we're in the first quarter. We're in the quarter. first quarter. And it's zero, zero. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. He was he was just tracking the ball. I think I think he just lost, you know. He's just it, trying to make a play. He's trying to make a play. And that's where that goes. I'm I'm always gonna back that guy because I think, like Taylor said, he is our he is our best player. Right. Um, but I'm I'm gonna just take you back, like, cause sometimes these moments kind of get the best of you. And I'm gonna give you two examples from when I played. First one, Taylor, you are a part of this. Creighton prep. We ran we ran some play. I was in the end zone. Didn't realize where I was, threw it out of bounds. We got called for a safety. And this is something that's gonna hang over Cam Taylor Britt's head forever. It's it's a it's a play that he knows he's better than, but he did it and he's gotta own it. Second one in college, I was a sophomore, I was getting brought down on a sack. I just threw the ball just to throw it and it got picked off and returned for a touchdown. Like these are the things you gotta own, you gotta move forward. And you got to do better. And I think that, you know, hopefully this this is something that he's going to learn from. Obviously, he was never taught that. I mean, the coaches didn't teach something like that. They didn't teach. <laughs> they didn't teach a, a punt returner to catch in the end zone and throw it out of the end zone. Like, right? That's not something he learned ever. It was just a spur you of the get moment. In trouble. Just it was throw it over your fucking head. It was a bonehead play, and he did it. And that's it. Is what it is. So I think you're going to see. A better version of him next week, obviously against Fordham, but it's it's something that it's going to drive him for the re- rest of the season. I hope at least. Yeah. Well, you know, remember last year when he had yeah he had that fumble that on a punt return that ended up us costing us the game, mm-hmm. and then for the rest of the season, motherfucker went and balled out. Yeah. So, I mean, look at Lamar uh, Jackson as our corner for a while. Right. That guy was the most hated Husker player for a couple of years. He ended he ended up just balling out his junior and senior year. So yeah. So I let's let's hope that uh you know he gets back on track and uh continues to do his thing. So uh but I think Oliver Martin should be our our punt returner. Um he looked the most natural back there catching the ball. If anything, just make him a Wester camp. Just have him have him back there, fair catch it. Just make him a fucking Santino Panico. I mean, you know, Mr. 1.7 punt return. You remember this guy? Yeah from uh, the Callahan era? I yeah. mean, the worst punt returner ever if you want yardage, but if you want him just to catch the ball. He, he's going to catch the ball. Yeah, West, just Westerham, Westerham just never had an average because he always just fair caught it. Yeah. And that's what so. we should do on kickoffs too. Just take it at yep. 25. Yep. Um, yeah. And the thing, you know, we t- talked about how Xavier Betts didn't have any snaps on offense. They had him at kick returner. Right. Which is which is really mind-boggling because just the type of guy and the type body size he is, you don't see a lot of kick returners out there that are six foot two, six foot three, you know, linky wide receivers. And he's, and Xavier Betts isn't really a, uh, like a twitchy guy, like, you know, good, like in a hole, he's more of a straight in line, in line runner, which that's not, you need to be able to make the first person miss on kickoff return. So just once again, another bonehead uh, decision from, from frost. You remember Josh Davis as the, uh, the kick returner. Number yep. one, white dude, twenty-five. All right, he was, yeah, he was, he was one, one he was twenty-five out of one, one yeah. point. And then he was, yep, yep. So, um, and then you know we've talked about how our two best players, you know, made some plays and cost us some points. Um, our third best player and the my favorite play, player on the team, JoJo Doman, who, uh, on a milk carton, Casper. Joe, JoJo, what, JoJo I mean, Casper Doman. Like, I honestly don't remember one single play, one single anything, seeing him in there. I had to go check the stats, and he had one tackle. JoJo Doman's been here for six years, and he's been he's been one of our best players for all six of those years. Like, he's been playing and been good since he's a freshman. And your sixth year that you come back to to improve your draft stock and, you know, try to turn this program around, and you come out and lay an egg, you know, one tackle? One tackle from our best player? Our hybrid player, so it's not like he's you know just away from the ball. He's a hybrid player. He's a linebacker, corner, so he's going to be around the ball, supposed to be around the ball the entire time. And he comes out with one tackle. Just super, super disappointed that our star players came out and it, excuse me. Let me rewind. 
supposed to be our star players, yeah. quote unquote, because uh, like you said, we don't have a star player. Um, and, you know, Bielam uh, even came out and said it. He said, well, he said that uh, we thought the only guy that would be able to beat us was uh, two, which is Adrian Martinez. And Adrian Martinez is he's going to come out and be the best player on the field. You just don't know if it's going to be for your team or the other team. <laughs> and that's and uh, you know what? And unfortunately, he was the best player for Illinois this week. So um, I don't I don't think he was the best player for Illinois, though. He only turned it over one time. But he oh, just he over, he, well, he yeah, overthrew two touchdowns. He did. So he did. Wide I, open I, touchdowns. I will say that, but I so, mean, he was the reason we got back in the game too. I'm not. I'm not saying all of his stats. You look, you I'm look not, at his stats. I, I'm on not paper. saying he's the savior anymore or anything like that. I'm just saying all of his stats were in garbage time. He's they all were, they we all have came on, on offense. No, he, he's our best option at quarterback. Yeah. Yes, doesn't so, mean he fucking played decent at all. You know, no, all of his, he didn't. All of he his didn't. stats were in garbage time. No, I I, I agree. So, so I don't know. That, that's it. We, you else, anything else you want to touch on during the game or about the game Saturday? Oh, any any bright spots from yes, Saturday? I do. I do have some. Okay. Believe it or not, shit. Uh, we're, we're definitely not positive vibes only this time. But yep. Um, I thought our front seven in the first half was very very good. Okay. Yep. Um, unfortunately, time of possession and the heat on the field kind of just took that over and right. you know that that's on the offense you know we we couldn't stay on the field yep and we let them i i don't know anyways uh second one i thought garrett nelson was an animal out there absolutely uh, that guy was our bright spot on defense and he was what we need out of jojo doman but except times two like garrett nelson was out there just flying around he hurt the starting quarterback i never wish right. injuries on any, anybody but that guy was finishing plays. He was doing what he was supposed to do. That guy's a maniac, and he um, he was just doing everything he could out there. Um, I, I and we kind of touched on the other two, but Samari Torre and Oliver Martin. Yeah, um, and um, uh, what's the other guy? Uh, two on the defense line. I'm having a brain fart. Um, I had the sack. Oh, pain. Fidarius pain. Fidarius pain. So basically, our defense line looked good, even in the interior. Uh, Daniels. Um, he was getting off blocks really well. Like he was, if he, I, I honestly couldn't get myself to go back and watch the game. Just no, I, didn't I can't wanna, either. You know, didn't want to have to play the violin on my wrist or anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> the, the defense line was a bright spot. Um, I thought our linebackers, uh, played well side to side. Heinrich was our leading tackler. Obviously he was my guy coming into the season that, uh, I thought I was gonna have a breakout season. He looked good. Uh, especially, uh, he looked good. You know, sideline to sideline, little wasn't as fast as you want, but up the middle, you know, him being a little bit undersized guy. Once, once those big linemen got kind of got up on him, it was uh, it was a little rough on him. But overall, I thought he played a pretty good game. Caleb Tanner, um, really liked what I saw yeah. out of him. He was he was bodying up offensive linemen and putting them on their backs, and um, just you know, looked like a guy that uh, the the switch had flipped. So that was a bright spot. Um, shit, uh, like I said, I thought. You know, Torrey looked good. Oliver Martin looked good. Um, it's just, uh, you know, we just got to, I, I mean, you know, queue up episode, season one, episode one. We just got to stop beating ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you know, we talked about, we left off four or five bonehead plays. Can you name one bad play that uh, self-inflicted play that Illinois had? They didn't have any. Yeah, they didn't beat themselves. No. And the Bielema came out after the game and said, he said, the best way to win is to not beat yourself. Is to you know, and it's just it's true. And they, just, the same, they didn't do anything great. The same goes for Northwestern. That's that's how they're so successful all the time, right? And it, I mean, I, I I I've said it before. Fitzgerald is just a different kind of coach. He calls his guys men, like right. Frost still calls his kid or calls the players kids. It's like yeah. it's just he wants to change the culture, but he's not right. He wants to be a part of the culture, you know. He's yeah, you know, exactly. wants to act like a goddamn uh, he, like he's still a college kid out there. Did you did you see the the tweet from um, God? What's his name? Your boy, the punter from the Colts. Oh, uh, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee was like, "What is wrong with Nebraska and Scott Frost?" And, and the the top comment was, "You can't be a leader of a college program and also live the life of a college student." Right. I mean. Exactly. Exactly. We've all heard it. We've all heard it. We all, we, you know what? We've all heard shit. And you know what? It's all fucking true. It's shit. every last bit of it. So, 
Um, it just he's just he's just not a good leader. And when you're not a good leader, you need some people around you to reel you in, and not not your best friends and your buddies and a bunch of yes men. Yep. Um, that are just glad to be in the position because it's the best job they've ever had in their life. So what the fuck are they going to say? You know, mm. hey, Scott, fucking don't do this. Don't do that. Let me do this. No, no, you've you've uh, increased my salary tenfold. And this is the best job I've ever had in my life. So I'll just go with what you say. So that's that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So it's it just, you know, let's wrap wrap up the game. We're done with that part. Um, obviously, that was week zero. So week one, you know, starts tonight. You got Dion's team playing Jackson State um, no, and then tomorrow State. Oh, is it? I see. I thought it was Dion's. I did too at first. I was way more excited ah, at first, but yeah, well, it's fucking, just, just Jacksonville State and fuck Jacksonville. State. Unders are definitely right. trending, so that's good. Those guys. But uh, college football week one is kicking off, and it's it's a loaded week. I mean, Thursday night uh, it starts. So the big game, especially here in the Big Big Ten, you've got uh, Ohio State traveling to Minnesota, which could be a sneaky game. Like I said, you know, coming into it, I thought Minnesota was going to be a game that we were definitely going to lose because Minnesota always plays tough. You say what you want about their coach. They fight for them, and they look like a well-coached team out there. So it's going to be interesting Interesting to see how that plays out. Tennessee plays tomorrow. And then uh, for Ossazol, Stompy Grounds, grounds uh, UCF um, travels, uh, plays Boise State. So that's going to be a good game. And so UFC, mm-hmm. UCF's coach um, took over. You know, I, I have a second-tier team, which <laughs> Nebraska fans, you know, just – Tennessee is the exact same team as Nebraska. Like they're, you know, I, I think we feel like, you know, it's, it's only us and this just keeps happening to us. Um, you know, I follow Tennessee, not nearly as close, but you know, relatively close. And they are just as big of a dumpster fire as Nebraska is. And uh, they hired Josh Heupel, who Josh Heupel, obviously a former Oklahoma quarterback, but he's the one who took over for Scott Frost at UCF. So now he's at Tennessee. They play Bowling Green tomorrow. So uh, a couple of good games on the docket tomorrow. And then Saturday, just, jam-packed uh you know i wish i wish we weren't at home for i could uh, just watch the game on tv with all the others but um, um the uh penn state wisconsin iowa versus indiana clemson versus um versus georgia uh texas versus louisiana um who am i missing uh ucla versus lsu uh just a jam-packed week of uh college football so i'm super excited to get this going you know Regardless of how bad Nebraska looked, um, it's going to be a good weekend of football. And then Saturday, and then you got games Saturday and Sunday here for Labor Day weekend. So, Sunday and Monday. Sunday and Monday, excuse me. Yeah. So was it uh, the Sunday game? Is that Notre Dame, Florida State? Yep. And then Monday, it's Old Miss versus uh, Louisville. You got them all here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, yep. You got it. Okay. So there's that. Um, as far as our opponent uh, Saturday, uh, Fordham, they um, they suck. So they they're fucking terrible. We're not going to dive too much into it. They actually uh, uh, back in nineteen like forty forty one they went Rose Bowl. Um, okay. no, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. I was like, what? No, they actually did. Um, um, I have this magazine here that I referenced earlier, but they also uh, they also throw the ball throw the ball a whole bunch, and so you would expect them to just run it a whole bunch on us on Saturday because Frost won't see it coming. Right. So, yeah, if they just uh, don't do what they did last year on film or during their spring game, we're in some trouble. But uh, just to tell you, just to tell you how bad these guys are, Nebraska is a 41 point favorite. Um, Just for reference here, uh, Scott Frost has scored over 41 points uh, six times in his uh, career here at Nebraska. So um, so for us to be 41 point favorites, these guys are fucking terrible. So this is going to be one of those good old fashioned throwback games where you go to the game. And, uh, you know, everybody's in the parking lot tailgate and no one's back in the game after halftime. So this is uh, this should be a good game for us to hopefully run it up early. And, uh, you know, I want to get some some uh, looks at these uh, the backup quarterbacks. I hope we get to see both of them play. Um, Don't know if we will. You know, you never know what Frost is going to do. You know, I I, shit. He don't know what he's going to do. So this should be one of those games where the game's over at halftime and everybody's uh, outside partying should be a good day down there. Uh, Saturday and, uh, you know, head down to the local pub, support your local bars and uh, catch some of those good games Saturday. What's uh, what's your plan or what's your thoughts on that Saturday game? Um, for us, I think if we don't just come out and take care of business, uh, there's going to be even more grumbles and just 
stuff we don't want to really hear. So just go out there and do your thing. Um, I think just keep it simple. And I'm saying even for the long term, just dumb it down for these guys. Like, right. you, we can't. Obviously, we can't handle this elaborate playbook that Scott Frost wants to do wants yeah. to run here. So just keep it keep it simple and just kind of see where it takes you. But just try to try to try to find you know something that you can hang your hat on. Well, yeah, try and just and find work, something you can hang your hat on and work work out the uh, the position battles that clearly are still going on. Like, I mean. We talked about uh, Xavier Betts. Like, get him some reps out there, like early. Yep. Just, just get him some real life experience because, you know, holding him back isn't going to get him any anywhere or any further. So, nope. Um, but it's, it's not going to do us any good. To have no, him it's on not. the sideline. And so, so having Brody Belt on the on the field instead of uh, uh, Xavier Betts is is a problem. And, yeah, uh, Brody Belt and Lee were still. Yeah. It's like. Come on, yeah. guys. Let's go. So uh, back to Fordham. Sorry, I did a little bit of research on them. Uh, obviously not their football team. But apparently Fordham is a pretty uh, uh, pretty prestigious school. Um, yes. They So the couple stats on them, they they have the most wins in uh, D1 baseball history. They're the all-time winningest program in D1 baseball history. They've got over 400, whatever, 4,000 wins or something crazy. They're the all-time winningest program in baseball history. And then their list of alumni. Wait to hear this list here, Zach. Can't wait. Um, so first here, uh, Amanda Seyfried. Right, banging actress. Great, you know, favorite movie, Chloe. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, All that David was over Copperfield. my head. You don't know who Amanda Seyfried is? I don't think so. She was from Mean. Mean. She was from Mean Girls, where she got her start. The really ditzy one in Mean Girls of the three. Hmm. You don't know who that th- is. She in uh, what's the stop? God damn! You, she's like one of my favorite actresses. Anyway, she's a uh, David Copperfield, big yep. time magician. I know him. Vegas. I know him. Okay. Uh, how about this guy, Vince Lombardi? Heard of him? Yep. Uh, how about uh, Denzel Washington? Heard of this guy? How about old Dwight Eisenhower, president? Mm-hmm. How about uh, your favorite uh, woman singer, Lana Del Rey? Mm. Um, how Lovely. about, how about the old Andrew and Chris Cuomo, the, uh, disgraced, uh, governor of, uh, New York and, uh, the old anchor from CNN, the Cuomo brothers went there. Probably could have got an honorable mention there, Taylor. And, uh, and then the most, uh, the most famous one, maybe the one most famous person in the world, Donald J. Trump oh, went boy. to Fordham. So, so uh, <laughs> back to Amanda Seyfried, is she the, is she the one in, uh, Alpha Dog? Yes, big tits, kind of ditzy. Fucking, okay, okay. She she's banging like. Yeah, no, no. I, I I the name was familiar, but yeah, yeah. I know she's got the wide so, eyes, right? Yeah. So go watch Chloe. Okay, that's the movie. Okay, but um, that's it. So they and there was a bunch. They apparently got all these Supreme Court judges and presidents and all these heads of states and like. 25 fortune 500 ceos apparently they're damn near an ivy league school it's right in the middle of new york their campuses in the bronx I, th- I believe it said so pretty impressive uh you know i mean speaking of the bronx uh aaron judges hit a home run good so that's it uh so predictions for for saturday zach uh line what do you, like what do you think uh for the betting line what do you think the final score is how does it play out uh 45 to 10 45 10 so that is a not a cover correct um i think i think it's going to be 52 to 14 52 14 not a cover um i'm thinking we got it it's got to be we've got to be up over 30 points at halftime we're probably going to be up 21 after the first quarter hopefully if our I mean, I, be- I don't have any doubt in our defense getting off the field, but yeah. Right. So it's, um, let's, uh, you know, this is basically a spring game. These guys are total dog shit. I mean, this is basically playing, you know, Zach Raby and the Wesley and fucking okay, uh, okay. Prairie Dogs, All Prairie right. Wolves there. So At least like, we were seven and three. Yeah. Let's go out there and beat up on these bums and, uh, you know, just kind of get into a rhythm. And then next week you've got, Another team that uh, is of a lesser competition, but it's going to give you a little bit more than Fordham. And then, you know, you turn this into two weeks and, uh, you know, just kind of, like I said, 
the goal should be try to find an identity, try to find something you can hang your hat on this week and, uh, you know, work out the kinks and get your rotation right. You know, find out who your running back is, find out who your five wide receivers are. And, you know, Scott, find out who the fuck you are as a play caller. Okay. That's the main thing. Find out who you are as a man, as a coach. Or just guess pass what? the torch. Yeah. Because guess what, man? It ain't good. And your time, your time's ticking away here. So, you know, Chris Berman, make tick, tick, tick. Yep. So make the most of it. But uh, for everybody else, Husker fans, you know, go down, you know, have a good time. Tailgate, hit your local uh, bars, you know, support your local bars and businesses. They've been hurting. So, uh, you know, let's go out and have a day on Saturday. So till next episode, go Big Red. Go Big Red. This is the Big Red Revival.